hello and welcome to Geekscape, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and uh, the two elves joining me this evening uh, is uh, John, like immediately turned to a scowl. I'm trying to be festive, all right? I should have and, known that there'd be a troll on this broadcast. You no, know, it's, it's festive. It's, so, you know... Is I'm he no, the Elven DM now? I am no, not. I'm, I'm uh, no you know, wine sipping point because we're Santa, vegetarian. Santa's us. Yeah. Uh, oh. Anyhow, you got, you, got, you got John here. Um, say hello, John. Uh, Lali Ho, Barut Kazad, Kazad Aimenu. Oh, and Kazad Kazut. Sakut, not Kazut. Sakut. Awesome. I had to like I had to reestablish my dwarf cred here with such a slanderous accusation at the beginning of this thing. All right, well, Troy, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> arise, salami, arise! Damn it, Troy, so don't do that, job. man! Good job. Don't good do job. that! I'm gonna be, oh, so, I'm gonna be so, so pissed happy. at you, man! I swear to God, you're my favorite elf this time around. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know okay. what? We're going to re- hang on. Let's uh, let's we're gonna have to re- re-record because tr- that cannot stand. That, that cannot stand. <laughs> uh, time out on that. Uh, I had something happen to me this week. I knew it was mm. coming. I knew it was going to happen eventually, and it finally did. I go running into the store to grab some stuff, and uh, this lady is outside. She's like, and she works there. She's like, "Hey, uh, be careful when you go in there." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, why?" She's like, "Well, my granddaughter's in there." And when she sees you, she is going to think you're Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kind of chuckled. Didn't know if it was a joke, whatever. I'm like, okay. And I go in there and there's this little girl running around. She didn't see me come in. And I go and I grab a couple things and I make it up to the checkout line. I'm waiting for my turn. and She's like over here behind me behind some stuff. And she comes walking up. And you know how, like, when you see something out of the corner of your eye, you look at it. And so I saw movement, so I looked, and she's standing like this. <gasps> Just locked, eyes locked on me, like like mm-hmm. a like a velociraptor. <laughs> just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I just kind of, like, looked over at her, and her eyes got really big. And she just, and she ran behind uh, to where her, her grandmother was standing and her mom. And I could hear, like, Santa Claus. Santa Claus is in the store. <laughs> And it's like, go ask him. I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. And uh, she kind of ended up, she kind of like pokes her head around the corner again. And I just kind of look at her again. She's like, and hides again. And finally, the one of the women behind the register, the, the, the checkout area, she comes over. She's like, she wants to know if you're really Santa Claus. And I leaned over and I looked because I could just see her. She <gasps> she put her head down on the on the counter, like, don't see me. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you that. That'd blow my cover. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> and so get ready to leave. I, I, I pay and I, as I'm walking out. I'm, I'm going to lean down and say something to her. And as soon as I come around the corner, she sees me and she just boom, she's gone. <laughs> she goes running. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh. And the grandma was like, uh, hey, he, he's trying to talk to you. And you just hear this from a couple aisles over. Nope. <laughs> 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 like, no, I'm not going to incriminate myself. And I said, well, 
you just tell her that I like chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and I go. left. That's cool. But yeah, I, I knew it was going to happen one of these days. That's awesome. I love it. That's great. <laughs> oh, well, <clears throat> do either of you have any news this evening? I got a couple things, actually. Uh-oh. Like really, really that, quick stuff. I think. That was it. That was my news. I'm, I that was your news? I have another story that I'll, I'll offline about like a Santa. It's very similar in that the same vein. Yeah, the, the news that I've got uh, is the new cover art for Dragons of Fate, the second in the new trilogy of Dragonlance novels by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman is out, and it is giving me some fierce, fierce Elmore vibes. Um, mm. If you have not seen it yet, get a, get a it's out. I think they, once again, Amazon is just the worst about leaking crap like that, but uh, it looks great. I really love it. Some people have given it a hard time. There's like a Todd Lockwood a silver dragon in the back, and I mean, almost like almost like a uh, traced version of it. It looks like one of the one of the other uh, the uh, paintings that he'd done in the past. But mm. there was that, and then <clears throat> the other bit that I had is not gaming related. And that is the DCEU is dead. Mm-hmm. Like dead. The DC universe that it consisted of the Snyderverse, right? Henry Cavill, yeah. Jason oh, Momoa, yeah. all that. It is dead. Uh, so the, the, what it was it um, with Black Adam, they did, it did mediocrely at best in the box office. And as a result, that was the nail in the coffin. I think they kind of put their, their hopes were riding on it, doing really well. They, they Cavill, Henry Cavill exited from being Geralt of Rivia on The Witcher and was going to go whole hog. They were spinning up a Man of Steel movie and all that good stuff. And then it just didn't do as well as they'd hoped or that it needed to. And as a mm. result, they gave it the axe. It is official. James Gunn has taken over uh, the the kind of like he's gonna essentially going to end up being the Kevin Feige of the new mm-hmm. DCU and uh, or the DC movie verse or whatever they end up calling it. But uh, I thought that was interesting. It's a bummer because I really like it. I like I can't fault Cavill for any if anything, anything about the, the his Superman portrayal is not his fault. It's, Correct. It's mm-hmm. either writing or direction. But I've, I just I really like him as an actor. And uh, one happy ending to that, at the very least, is he's not going to be without a job because he is also taking over as he's going to be starring in the, I think, Netflix is Amazon. doing Warhammer 40K. Amazon. Oh, it's Amazon. Oh, man. There you go. So uh, so I think it'll, it'll it'll turn out OK in the end. But I'm very interesting. It's, it's interesting to see the whole thing unfold, uh, unfold or really implode. Holy yeah, moly. I'm I'm OK with it. Mm. Only. Oh, so my. Only because the Wonder Woman movie, the first one was good. Um, The Shazam movie I thought was pretty good, but Mm -hmm. was it kind of? It really wasn't connected to all the rest, Mm -hmm. and and all the rest were mediocre at best. Mm. And it's like, and then when you had oh, Affleck's not going to be Batman anymore. Well, how are you going to do that then? And then, oh, Cavill's out. So, well, how are you going to do that? You're going to continue on mm-hmm. with all the other other characters, but it's it's like you're piecing them in and out, and like let's focus more on Aquaman. Why? Because that was that movie was. Ugh. 
<laughs> you know, so I'm I'm not mad about it at all. I'm I'm bummed that I I won't get to see an actual Batfleck movie. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see what that would, could have done. Um, but uh, I would have liked to have seen Henry, Henry Cavill as the bright mm. Blue Boy Scout. And, and that's just, what he was, you could tell that's where he was there. That's where he was headed. I was right. Yeah. There was, I, I there was, was a cameo at the end of it, Black Adam. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, and, and, then, looked, and then with Black Adam, I thought that was a very strange way to go. It's like, hmm. okay, so we're going to make a villain, the hero in a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because the rock was going to play him. So he has to be a hero or the right, anti-hero. I guess. You know? But I mean, yeah, Black Adam has been an anti-hero a few times in mm-hmm. the comics, but never for very long. Mm-hmm. And so, it's more it's more like there's usually there's there's the impetus of him becoming or him like siding with the good guys just long enough to defeat the greater evil is the only reason why he ever did. Yeah, it exactly. Place. And how how why why would you do that? Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm going to. I think it comes out. I think it it's on. I think it's on HBO Max right now. Did it? I don't know if it dropped mm-hmm. uh, this past Friday or next Friday or this coming. I think Friday. it is. I saw some of the, the ads for it anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's like, yeah, I I've always liked Black Adam. I always thought he was a really cool character. Uh, but I just was like, why would you make? Mm-hmm. Why would you make a, a whole movie about him? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't he be the main villain of the next Shazam? Movie? Sure. That's. But yeah, whatever. Well, that's some of the things that we're going to see. There are at least three DCEU movies that I'm aware of that are coming out, um, whether they like it or not, unless they completely can them, which is Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, and then the Flash, a Flashpoint movie that they've been working on. Well, it apparently has tested incredibly well, like better than any of their other movies that were non-Nolan movies. I doubt it. It is the best, the best tested. Like people are just raving over it after they've seen it. Yeah, who who are they talking to? I don't know. Because man, they should be talking to us. Apparently, there, there's mm. nothing that I've seen so far involving that Flash that I would mm. rave. Well, about. well, sure. I mean, like Ezra Miller as a person, yeah, dumpster fire. No, I, I didn't. I didn't care for him as the Flash in, you know, in the... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's just not very... He's not a Barry Allen. No, he's, he's not, not a traditional not Barry Allen. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I, I am <laughs> bummed, though. <laughs> I am bummed that uh, Cavill will not be returning as uh, Geralt or Geralt or whatever. Mm-hmm. This has felt like... The DCEU has felt like, like a... Uh, a horse with a broken leg mm. for years. Like, just mm. put it out of its misery. Like, can we can we not do that? Like, that's what it felt like. Is like, well, but we might be able to make another mm. million dollars if we just keep dragging it along. You know, keep yeah. keep whipping well, it. And it's like, guys, just well, let you also it have go. like the the Snyder fanboys. Which look, I'm not sitting here knocking on Snyder. That's not what I'm knocking on. I'm knocking on like a small subset of fans that have been like almost like Russian bots level of like noise uh, in in getting their, like their opinion out there. Right. Whether it was essentially fixing quote unquote, the movie of the year uh, category. I think it was at the Oscars, like the people's choice effectively award 
was the Snyder cut of the Justice League because they're just they foam at the mouth over Snyder. I think that I wonder if part of that has something to do with it is that there's just so much noise about it. They thought, well, I mean, we just need to keep giving people give more of the Snyderverse, and effect, you know, eventually it'll pan out. But it never. I did. think it. I I don't. I don't think that they can look at those movies and and say, well, we should just keep going. I think that it's a stubborn, it's at the top, a, it was a stubborn, we're not going to call it quits because that means that we did something wrong, sort of an attitude of like, mm-hmm. well, if we if we stop, then we'll never catch Marvel. Or if we stop, then it, it shows that we don't have a plan or whatever, right? Like, and like, I think James Gunn is a great person to grab for round two. And my hope is that they learned a bunch of lessons, who knows, but. Like I've, I've been ready for them to kill this for five, seven, five or seven years at this point. Like, yeah, I, they're not going, they're not going to ever put out anything of consistent quality in, in level, you know, in, in enjoyable material until they do what Marvel did and bring it all home. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's effectively what Gunn is saying he's going to do. Right. I think well, this is a really go ahead. I'll let you finish is, your is, But is he going to, you know, yeah, he might be a a pseudo Kevin Feige in the DC universe mm-hmm. for this, but are you going to have Warner Brother executives poking their nose and say, "Uh, no, we want we want this to happen," whereas you've got Marvel Studios under DC mm-hmm. that they get to say, "No, no, if if we change something in in comic book canon for our movies." That's okay because it's us doing it. Mm-hmm. You, sir, who have never mm-hmm. opened a comic book, don't get to now guide our movies and tell us what we have to include. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that they're ever going to do well because the thing about the DC movies is they're only partially beholden to anything that came before it to set the ground level. Mm-hmm. They're always wanting, you know, they're always saying, oh, yeah, Superman's cool. But uh, mm-hmm. but we could do it better. Mm-hmm. Or Batman's cool, but we could do it better. It's like, no, you 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 kind of can't. Mm-hmm. And and really, I don't understand why you would want to, because you have decades of material to 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 pull from, which has garnered you a massive amount of fans ready to buy your tickets. Mm-hmm. Just give them what they want. Don't don't sit there and try to make it better mm-hmm. by, oh yeah, Superman's not going to fly, hmm. or you know, what? Why? Why? What do you mean Superman's not going to fly? Well, yeah, he doesn't fly. He gets rid- get get rid of the cape. You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. just, I mean, Marvel changes stuff, yes, and for the most part, I think when they do change things, it's like, okay, you know, it's not what I know from the books but that's fine. This was cool too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the one of the things that they've been able to get away with that with how they've been able to get away with that is by introducing the concept of the multiverse, which is not a singularly uh, Marvel ideology or like the crisis on infinite earths has been around for decades for like, for, I think of almost 40 years, if not longer. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a concept that's singular to Marvel. So, so <clears throat> as a result, 
the MCU is its own universe. And then the comic universe is still the comic. The, what is it? Earth 616 or whatever. It's still, it's still unblemished, unmolested, but for, from anything that's being done by the MCU. Well, the MCU is 616. I thought the comic books were 616 too, though. The, the main, the main line of both is 616. That's weird. And then I don't like that. All the, all the weird stuff that happens. Hmm. Goes on. But again, they've made it so it's like, well, we can say what we want to say. Six one six and six one seven. Who cares? Whatever it takes. I would argue lightly, and then I'll leave it at this: is that the MCU is more akin to the Ultimates universe, mm-hmm. at least in its inception, for sure. You could tell that they like almost blueprinted the the Ultimates line uh, oh, yeah. into the MTU MCU. Hmm. Which mm-hmm. and I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We should probably us, talk it, about it gave Samuel, It gave it gave the Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury. Sure did. Movie. Sure did. Well, here before we uh, get too far away, uh, we didn't talk about this a couple of months ago when the first news of it dropped. But there's more news that dropped this week, so I thought I might plug it now. Um, we're getting two prequel novels for. Honor Among Thieves in February. Hmm, interesting. Yes. Um, and they have announced more details. Of, so, so the first one that they announced was about the Druid, a, like an origin story sort of a thing for the Druid. Now they've got, they've kind of confirmed that there's another one that's coming as well in the same time period called The Road to Neverwinter, which is going to be about uh, Chris Pine's uh, bard character. So, and I guess there's more novels coming, tying in more of the characters. So, um, but I, that's cool to me. I, I, I will buy these books and I will read them actually before yes. the movie, probably like, I think that's a great call for them. So I'm all in. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of like comic book tie-ins. I don't see a lot of n- novel or novella tie-ins like prequel uh, novels and things like that. So that's interesting that they're going to. Are they release? I'm sorry. Did you say they're releasing before or after the movie before, comes out? Before, before. Okay, well, in it's February. Really yeah, yeah. I they're, I they're love it. Actual prequels. Yeah. 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 One of one of them is written by a fantasy author that I don't really know. The other one is written by a gal who uh, has written several Star Wars novels, and I haven't read any of those because they're in the Disney area era where I fell off. But she's Evidently, her Star Wars novels are somewhat well received. So, um, she's got a pedigree working with IPs at this point, franchises. Mm-hmm. So. Um, anyhow, so I'm 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 excited about that. I want to I want to see what it's like. Yeah, I do too. I saw the, I saw cool. the the images of of the one novel. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else, or shall we move on to our topic for the evening? I say let's hit it. Let's do it. All right. Put your money where our mouth is. Or something. Let's restart. John, Troy, and myself get an itch to do some writing every once in a while, and when that happens, we publish it through World of Game Design. Head on over to store.wogd.com to find books like Oceanic Depths, Scrap Rats, and Motherload that feature design by your delightful and charismatic hosts. Again, that's store.wogd.com. 
www.wogd.com. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk... What are we talking about this evening, Troy? Uh, where have all the DMs gone? There's there's a there's a there's a lack of DMs. Hmm. Yeah, this is that um from that YouTube uh, questing beast, uh, right? Questing, questing beast, questing yeah. beast, and uh, Professor DM Dungeon Master has done one as well. I I feel like this. so so their statement is I, I feel like the question where have all the DMs gone is a misleading. Well, that was my question. Their, their their statement is there is a shortage of dungeon masters mm-hmm. in the realm of the of the D and D community. There is a shortage of dungeon masters. Yeah, and their questing beast statement was that like ninety percent of all OSR players also consider themselves DMs, mm-hmm. but only mm-hmm. like what is it like 20% or something like that of it was 19% it was I, I just watched the video right before we we uh, we got on so it was 19% of players or um players D- said that D- they D- had fans. or D&D fans had that they they had a group that was like 50% of the group consisted of dungeon masters whereas OSR I think it was like 60 to 70% of them identified as dungeon masters or Game runners, yeah. It's, anyway, it was like a, a, a almost like a four to one difference between five E specifically five E versus OSR. Can we can we say that like there is an extreme fallacy in comparing those two groups of people right yes. at the gate? Mm-hmm. That that is that was my whole thing when I watched the video. It's like, well, duh. Mm. I mean, that makes total yeah. sense. Why why are why are you trying to compare? I don't I don't get it. Well, very, very, very few people come into tabletop via OSR, right? Right, exactly. And and almost everybody comes into tabletop via D and D. So you got new people flooding in there, and then they get kind of like filtered down through the different layers of strata. Mm-hmm. And only after <laughs> only after time and experience do they pop out into the OSR. Typically, mm-hmm. um, I think that whenever. So- when- Go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I was going to say, like, to me, like, I'm interested in talking about the idea of Dungeons and Dragons players don't play D&D. Or, I'm sorry, don't don't run D&D. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm interested in talking about that. I'm way less, inter- not that we can't, but I'm way less interested in comparing the two. Because I feel like There's the no OSR one makes yeah, perfect sense to me. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just, let's just make the statement right now. This is this is how I believe, and I and I'm pretty sure you guys are probably on the same page. And if not, I, you should be. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's my line. Yeah. I know I, that's why I, I stole it. So you've got all these people coming into D and D. You've got which which obviously there's not enough DMs for that. Um, the DMs that that are out there they are the ones that will probably look to other systems to do things with because as as DMs, we all know when we see a, a system that we want to try, we take it to our group, we say, hey, I've got this new game, I want to try it, what do you guys think? And almost hands down every time it's, no, we just want to stick with D&D. Mm-hmm. So what happens? 
the DM will then go out and find other people that that want to try this new system, which lo and behold, it's probably going to be other DMs from other D&D groups whose groups have said, no, we don't want to play that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why that's why they're all game masters over in the OSR, because it's, an, it's a different system other than D&D, just like probably... Every also, other a lot of the OSRs. There. Also, a lot of the OSR systems are really simple. Not not mm. to a T, but there's right. a good number of them that are very simple. So that is going to be easier for people to just pick up and go, right? right. Like, yeah, whatever whatever players those DMs can bring with them into those new systems, those players then see, oh, it's not that hard to do this because D and D has never been especially in 5e, yeah, you've got the starter set, but they've never really given a really, really good way for a brand new person who has no knowledge of of role-playing games a way to say, hey, you know what? You can DM. Oh, here's a box with a whole Mm -hmm. campaign in it. Go run that. Even though it's easy, it's still not easy for a brand new person. Let me throw this out there. When has there ever been, had not been a time where we were short on DMs? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, like the, that's like I think that would, when the DM shortage question came up, I'm like, well, how is this new? That's well, not new. Like, never, the, like I was a, the. There's a reason I'm the forever DM in my group, not because they you know they outright refuse to, but because I'm the one that's comfortable with it, and a lot of people are are uncomfortable with it, or they prefer is my it, play style or whatever. Is it is it that we have a shortage of DMs before, or is it that that it was just you know. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before online play was super easy, it was just hard to keep a consistent group in general or find a group mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, less about the game master, more about the, a group, period. Mm. Group, period. But, see that. but there was always a shortage because, you know, even back then, you always heard people, oh man, I've always wanted to play D&D, but I can't yeah. find a DM. Yeah. That's true. I also remember um, yeah, more so a few years ago, but I also remember hearing a lot of, man, I really want to run a, this game, but I don't have a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That have, yeah, it's both. It's all on both sides. That, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Troy mean, on this, yeah. though. I'd like, at least anecdotally, I had the same, this in the same culture, gaming culture that I came up from, that there was, there was always a scramble to get somebody to run it. Like there would be a handful of players that wanted to play, and a, there every once in a while you'd have a dungeon master that wanted to run, but only didn't have enough players. Not necessarily. There's no such thing as really not enough, really. But uh, but yeah, like every every instance that I recall, there's always been a deficit of dungeon masters out there. People that just weren't willing to to take the leap, and there's just not enough of them. And there are more than enough people that wanted us to be responsible for like one little microcosm of, of the game and not enough people that wanted to have like, and like a, uh, be responsible for the, the full experience at the table. Yeah. I, and, and I'll say like, I think that when I saw that questing beast video, I was like, why is this news? Why is this an important video right now? Like I'd like, we've talked from early on in our show, but, but, but we weren't, but we were late to the party back then about mm. like, hey, not everybody's comfortable running running a game, but you should be, you know. And then mm. 
lo and behold, even before us, we have our patron saint out there talking. Like mm-hmm. that whole series came about because he saw, quote unquote, a lot of people. Uh, you know, Colville saw a lot of people saying, you know, they were uncomfortable running D and D. That's those are players mm-hmm. unsure about making the leap, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I I don't know. Like, I'm interested in it, but I'm not interested in it as a new phenomena, right? Mm. Right, because it's not. I, I think I think at this stage in the game. No pun intended. It it's just more blatant because we have such a huge influx of people coming into this hobby through D and D on a daily basis, mm-hmm. pretty much. And yeah, there's just such a glut of players, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a good on ramp for one of those players or, or, you know, certain ones of those players to be the one to pick up the mantle and be the DM. Sinnerson here in the chat is talking about how there's also an increased level of intimidation because of things like critical role, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like really high level presentation from the GM yeah. side and world building. Um, I, I think that's true. I think it's especially true if for the for the very i say this with all love it's not a demeaning thing and and i'll clarify but for the very ignorant gamer i think that's true like the person who come watches some critical role and says oh, i want to play D, but i can never run a game mm-hmm. right but i think i think that there is an aspect of once you see like troy's right that there's not like this great like manual for dming that's perfectly available. But um, I think that there is this aspect of there's a million pre-written campaigns out there. Mm-hmm. There's a million, you know, one shots and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of resources that can make the world building side of game mastering very mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of why, how uh, 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 critical role is intimidating, right? Oh, um, yeah. Um, so I, I would say that once once a person enters the threshold of D&D, logs on to D&D Beyond, goes to a store, like starts browsing through books, some of the intimidation of critical role, I think, can drop simply by seeing that like Matt isn't inventing, like what Matt does by inventing everything is one way to do it. But there's See, 13 But I don't think that it's it just world building thing. I Let's, let me, let's, let me, if I can wheel back just for a second. So we kind of we asked the question, is there a shortage? I, I say that there is. I think that there always has yes. been. The one been. question I want to ask just really briefly is, is 5th edition any contributor over any of the other previous editions to creating a shortage? 5th edition itself, not Critical Role, because I think that's a separate co- topic or a separate, separate reason that I agree with, but it does 5e lend itself to making it harder to access as a DM? No, but 5e yeah. does contribute to the shortage of DMs okay. because it is it's the biggest, you know, biggest out there. It's the most popular uh, version of the game ever. Um, and it, I think like every other edition before it, it does not, it is not kind to a brand new neophyte dm Hmm. in to say it's it's easy to run 
It's easy to run. It's easy to play. It's easy to grasp. All that stuff. Because we've done it before. It is for us because we picked it, it up yes. from previous editions. It, the concepts. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Because, you know, we don't have to read anything called a Dungeon Master's Guide to know how mm-hmm. to DM. And therein lies the problem. They have a book called the Dungeon Master's Guide. And it does not guide you in how to be a good DM. Mm-hmm. It has all these alternate rules and things of that nature that you can put into your campaign to make make it cool and neat and kind of dial in how you like it but it doesn't take you by the hand as a brand new player that wants to be a dungeon master and kind of walk you through those steps the only thing that we get that's close to that are the starter sets and even that a person can look at and think oh my gosh this thing takes you from levels one to five. I don't. I don't know if I can do that. You know, that's that's an intimidation right there. Mm-hmm. Give the you know what we need is a five dollar adventure, not something from DMs Guild because mm-hmm. over half of the people that play this game have no idea what Dungeon Masters Guild is. Ninety five percent. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a give us a book that goes right there beside the core rule books. That's a ten five dollar ten dollar whatever you want to price it at but it's like go back to our patron saint matt coville give us a a watsy version of the delian tomb mm-hmm. give us a five room ad- adventure a dungeon a little you know you're in the tavern you meet up here's what you do here's why you meet the tavern mm-hmm. go to the delian tomb five rooms come back guess what you just mm-hmm. dungeon mastered your first game so yeah i think we're I feel like we're jumping a little bit ahead because in my head, the the thing you want to do at towards the end of our discussion is try to figure out what the fix is. Right. But let me ask you this. If it's not fifth edition necessarily, then what's the why? If there is a DM shortage, what is the why? Well, we got a couple things in chat that I wanted to point out in tied to that, John, right? Sinerson and Girk mm-hmm. are both saying like, there's an intimidation factor to the sheer volume of content mm. that is out. That's definitely interesting. And I, I could see that like that was definitely a thing with three, five and with ADD second edition and with Pathfinder, like the idea of like, I don't want to have to know or keep track of a thousand rules across mm-hmm. 200 rule books. And yeah. we're at that point with five E where there is a bunch of rule books not nearly as many as some of those other editions, but still a ton. And that's, I, I, I'll give, when I started, uh, I started DMing with Pathfinder when it had a million options. And I was running games for uh, game masters uh, or players who had been in the game for decades, right? And that was intimidating to be like, oh, yeah. there's like, oh, you have what now? Like, where did you get, like, I don't. I didn't let it bother me too much, but I remember being like, "Wow, there is a lot here." So, um, anyhow, I I, I I support those those comments quite a bit. Um, well, and that was part of the initial push for Five E because they came right out and said, "Hey, we are going to slow drip this stuff. We are not going to shove these books yeah. down your throat. We're going to have a couple." big releases every year and that's it we're not gonna we're not gonna do that to you because we want people to be able to pick up the game and play without any of that kind of intimidation of having 47 books 
to go at through. least at least with 5e and they they, they have sped up but like, at least with 5e what they haven't done is done the weird thing where they go back in some of the earlier editions where they would go back and like add new rules that really affected the core of the game yeah in in side books and yada 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 and editions and yeah player's handbook 2 or dungeon master guide 2 or whatever right like mm-hmm. There is a Sinnerson mentioned there's a million player options that are getting unloaded on us all the time, right? And there is a million monsters that are getting dropped on us with regularity. But there's luckily not been a lot of like crazy modular rules right. that have been dropped on us, other than in setting books where it's kind of said, like, hey, in this setting, here's some special stuff. Mm-hmm. But they haven't just like kept rolling out and rolling out. Like, here's an example patrons right from tasha's mm-hmm. i like that but yes. the idea of patrons definitely adds another responsibility quote unquote if you choose to take it on and if your group's expecting it to the shoulders of the dungeon master right right mm-hmm. um we don't see a lot of that in 5e though where they say here's a whole new thing that is in that goes on the dungeon master's plate for all the settings here you go well, I think that part of my my response to the the why is is in line with that. It's it's part of it is it's the complexity, but it's expecting DMs are expected to do so much. It's one person taking on ten different roles or putting on ten different hats. It's not just I'm going to be responsible for for the monsters on the grid that we're fighting. It's also I have to be. I have to be an actor, an improvisational artist. I've got to be a voice. Now with the introduction of like the critical role and a lot of these other actual plays where people are kind of are coming into the game from like, well, I have to be a voice actor and be able mm-hmm. to do funny voices. Well, I can't do funny voices. So I, sh- I can't be a DM. Right. Or I, I don't know all the rules there. So there's, there are 10, 15 different things. They kind of have to be that they don't start out with like, well, look, let's just start here. This, this, like Let's start at the, the nucleus, sure. right? Let's start from very, very, very simple, right? And then from there, we'll build on to that. We'll create a more complex story or we'll play a more complex narrative or something like that from there. But like, there, you just don't really have that. I think part of the reason why there's resistance to it in either in the community or maybe even from the designers is how does it separate itself? If you Let's say that you focus on combat because that to me is like the one of the easier – like things to kind of to sit on, right? Start there from the comp- the combat perspective. Then it's just no effectively no more than just a it's a board game, right? And, the, and it doesn't it doesn't distinguish itself from board games enough, right? The whole role playing aspect of it is what really distinguishes it from something that you'd play out of a box on the regular, right? Mm-hmm. Let me pitch you another way that you could approach this. Uh-huh. I think that players will more likely jump on to DMing if they sit down and play a few adventures with a bad GM. Hmm. That's typically the way that I've seen more than enough people, but it's kind of like uh, I had a buddy of mine that took on the job of being a manager because they, they brought in a bunch of people for interviews to be the manager over him. And he's like, I'm not going to have anybody else. Yep. Manage me. I'll just nope. be the manager then. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of how, well, that's part of how I became a forever DM. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to DM. I just wanted to play, mm. but couldn't find anybody to run the game. And, and I ended up getting lucky enough to find like three people that were like, Oh yeah, we'll play. 
but we, we don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one out of those people that have read the books mm-hmm. or, even, or even owned the books. Mm-hmm. So I did. And then after I found a group, it was, we went and we played under a couple different other dungeon masters. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. Miserable. <laughs> I mean, and, and it was like one of those, oh my, you know, because y'all, everybody always says it. Oh, pff, man, if that's what it's like, I can do that. Mm-hmm, I can yeah. be a, a, this bad. It'd be a deal. Well, All right, pff, I might as well give it a shot. You might end up having really humble, uh, accommodating players too after they run a game and they're like, oh my God, this is what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they, they're, they may be a little bit more graceful at the table and more, uh, I don't know, more amicable, whatever they're, when you're running. The other, the other thing that I would throw out as another great way to get people to DM, because I think that's really the, the crux of this, right? Like, all right, so how do you actually get people, yep. more players to, to, yep. to run the game? Um, I would say a big one is if you are the forever GM and you have a good group, target one or two of your players and mm-hmm. tell them, this spring, you're going to run a game. Mm-hmm. And kind of put it on them, tell them that you'll help, find the resources, get what they need, yada, yada, yada. But you want them to give it a go. Um, I think that's the best way because mm-hmm. they they will be intimidated. They will be nervous. They will be whatever. But they'll also be excited. And the fact that you're asking them to do it, uh, they're probably not going to say no. Um, yeah. Well, I, that's, that's a very like a Jedi Padawan mentality, yeah. right? It's like it, you're essentially it's mentorship. And that's that's how you like they they say that in like I took taken leadership development pro, uh, classes right and then in leadership they're like what your job also as a leader is to train up the person that's going to take over your position right yeah. so a lot of what kind of going back to Colville Colville said the main reason why he started his channel was so that he could play more it's like I need somebody to take over my table at some point so I can play yeah. and if you really want it that bad. Maybe if you are a forever DM, right? Like even if you're a forever DM and you don't ever intend to play the game or you're weird and awkward whenever you play games, like I feel like I am whenever I'm actually the player, even in spite of that, if you love this hobby as much as you say that you do or think you do, then you should evangelize being a dungeon master. This is fun. I love doing it. I think part of it's also kind of an attitude thing from dungeon masters where we complain about, oh, I'm a forever DM. Forever DM is almost like a, like a, a pejorative. Well, it's, it's it, to us it is, but a lot of the times it's a pejorative. Where like, well, I'm the forever DM because no one ever wants to run the game, so now I have to do it by myself. I'm the only one that'll do it. No one wants to be that person where they're the quote unquote forever. And then DM. it's usually, hey, you're you're the forever you're the forever forever DM. So how about you take a break? No, 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 it's okay. Exactly. I, I got it. Exactly. I don't want exactly. to. I don't want to be on that side of the screen. Got, got got a got a taste for that control. You don't want to let it go. One. Baptized in Plus is talking about uh, having a DM that reads straight out of the book. I've had a couple of those. I will say that, like, your mileage may vary with that, though, and it depends on the group because, mm-hmm. like, I, I definitely respect having a bad experience <laughs> with mm-hmm. that. But there's also a certain type of group that's, like, there to play it as a tactics game, as, like, a, as a, as hardcore a game, way less of a story. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it really is about we read this section. It says we yeah. encounter this. We fight this. We 
clear out this section of the dungeon. We find the MacGuffin. We move on. And they go home that night and they're like, hey, this was great. Right? Like, and, and for the right group, I think that is a very reasonable experience. Now, well, I think that's a really, I think Zach, you you hit on a, a point that's really important to punctuate though. And that is, you may not be a mediocre DM at some table at certain tables, but an amazing DM at others because your DMing style will dovetail well with some players, whereas it will not with others. And you can, and it is really, really hard to try to be like the, the end all beat all. We've talked about it before. It's like what is the right. what's the greatest DM in the in the world? What does it take to be a great DM? Like what? the players a lot of the times yeah. and making sure that that chemistry is there between you and them, the expectations. Oh, yeah. It's like I have I, this is the kind of game I run. Well, that's the game I want to play, right? Like everything's a little bit different, and you kind of have to gravitate towards one another in order to figure out what that that chemistry looks like. And, and one of how my often, okay, good. Yeah, well, one of my one of my uh, good DMing buddies uh, at GameholeCon, his name's Paul Kynes. Uh, Paul only, as I understand it from what he told me, <laughs> he only runs. Watsy published stuff and he runs mm. it exactly by the book. He has ran like every hardcover, every season of AL. Like mm. he is, he is like, that's what his group loves and they don't deviate, right? Like mm-hmm. they, like it is, they read, they do the book. Um, now, uh, I feel like I've, I've given a couple of examples that are probably off cases of how a reading straight from the book. I'm like, oh, that could be a good thing. Most of the time, it's going to be a bad thing, like like what Baptized Plus is saying. Um, well, I can understand where it's like it's mechanical. They have to read it directly out of the book, as opposed to it being something that's fluid and organic. And you know, if it's not in the book, what do you, what do we do now? No, 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 no. We got to. So I understand where it. There's a difference between rails and just being like someone grabbing you by the shoulders and walking you down a hall. You know, and navigating you through it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you this: What are the other ways to fix it then? Right, so I like I, I kind of have my own li- like my little list here of the things that I th- I thought about. It's like if we're we're trying to find DMs, I think I agree with like mentorship is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Evangelization of how great it is to be a DM, how much fun it is. I think attitude uh, and positivity about about it is is great. Uh, some of the more like even more specific stuff too. From one of the things I thought about from Watsi is. Watsi's already indicated that the major- lion's share of the money that they they bring in is from dungeon masters. So it's right. in Watsi's best interest to make as many dungeon masters as possible. And yet, one of the problems that I see, we kind of touched on it a little bit, is that the dungeon master's guide is not a guide. It's not a guide. The dungeon master's guide is a reference book more than anything else. Yep. Right? A guide that says here's how to be a dungeon how to dungeon master right like the, and it's and it's really it doesn't have to be huge it could be really really small it could even almost be like a pamphlet or something like that right not a pamphlet necessarily but like a, a booklet right like a like, like a, a, zine. Like, a zine yeah exactly a zine you could probably get away with it, just a scene and just step by step them through it it's like hey plan your game get together with your your friends read through the module that don't overwhelm yourself with a full campaign just do one adventure yada yada and then then, oh so you got finished with your neck your first your first session fantastic when you do your first session let's focus on just this just do some combat a little light this that and the other and then boom done right or maybe even a video i don't know but that's one of the things i thought about was like watsy really should be in the business of doing the stuff that we're out there trying to do for them 
you know, because it's it, it's it does it, their bottom line is affected by it more so than anybody else's with that has skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other thing I'll kind of I'll kind of put the little asterisk next to your list there, John, and and that's the that's the note that like not every player should GM or wants to GM or will mm-hmm. ever want to GM. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. And actually that's great. Then um, that, yes. But I think the vast majority of players, regardless of wanting to or should, should try. Because I, you're going to see, you're going to see that like, should you? Sure. But like, yes. no, no pressure. You know what I mean? Right, that's, I think, that's, appre- that's, I think you'll appreciate. If nothing else, you should do it to appreciate the art. Yes, of it, it so it, to speak. To me, it's like it's like when you're in gym class when you're a kid, and you know the uh, the sport you're learning for that week or grading period or whatever is is baseball. Mm-hmm. You don't just have you know the kids all pick what position they want to play on the field. And then that's it because yeah, Billy might've said, Hey, I'm going to be a first baseman and Billy sucks as a first baseman. But man, if he ever took the pitching mound catfish hunter all day long, but he's, you know, if, if it's not, if, if the coach or the, the gym teacher doesn't, move those kids around to the different positions, they're never going to know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say everyone should at least try it. Are they going to? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people that were like, yeah, I, I never wanted a DM and I didn't think I'd be very good at it. And blah, blah, blah. I didn't think I would like it. And for whatever reason, circumstances put them behind the screen and they were like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then those players were like, Oh, you were great. That was so much. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it again? And mm-hmm. had, had those circumstances never came around and that player would, would, would never been willing to try it. They would never know that they are actually a pretty decent game master. And that's why I say everybody should at least try it once. Mm. And do it with people that you feel comfortable with and you, that mm. you feel safe with or for complete strangers that you're never going to see again. Hmm? Yeah. But I, I'm going to go back to, to chat here for a second. Cinderson brought up one of the things that I mentioned. I mentioned modules. And so in my list here, one of the things that I've got is shorter adventures exactly. slash scenarios. Right. So instead of a full blown 180, 190 page long campaign that no one's going to finish, especially if you're a new DM and it's super overwhelming or schedules screw things up and you only get about halfway through it, you're disappointed. Well, I don't want to have to do that kind of thing again. Just like start with, like, if we can get DMs or Watsy can build or somebody can start building, the, I don't know, these things called Adventurers League adventures that are four hours long or it's prelude. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> if we did, but I, I like really like start with a scenario that borrow a fourth edition thing of about fourth edition. What that was actually good. It's like, it's literally two or three pages long. That's it. That's all I got to worry about everything mm-hmm. that you need is right there. The monster stat blocks are there. The maps are there. The, uh, the quote unquote narrative is there. 
the combat, like here's how to start combat, here's how to do it in three pages-ish, and then do that. That'll get you about an hour, maybe two in. You can do it over a lunch break if you want to. It's super duper easy. Let me add another aspect to that. I think the the, the short, punchy stuff is, is excellent for that reason. But also, mm-hmm. here's what I know. If you are running Storm King's Thunder, what's the chance that one of your players or more of your players are going to butt in and feel comfortable saying, oh, hey, why don't we stop this because I want to run something? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Very small. Because if they're enjoying it, they don't want to cut you off at the knee or stop you in the middle of your story so that they could tell theirs. So a great way to get more people running the game in your area are to not run massive campaigns. Yep. Give those windows, those opportunities to say, oh, we wrapped up our four session arc. Who wants to run next? Or mm-hmm. I'm happy to run mm-hmm. again if nobody wants to. Like just creating the windows. Yeah. Will yeah. there will be people that slide in. I do miss I miss the modules quite a bit. Oh, you, you know, I, I went back, you know, doing the research for the the story arc stuff. DL one through ten or whatever it is, they're like eighteen to twenty pages long each. And there's a lot that's in there still, even though it's only eighteen to twenty pages long. Um, I don't know that there's like the the revenue stream is going to be huge for Watsy doing that. So that's probably a, a demotivator for them that just like putting out soft cover booklets. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't bring in as much dough that way, but that's the way to do it. You know, it's like, it's literally like three, four hour sessions. What was it? I did. I did Knight's sword was one that I did. It was like an, an, uh, an AD and D post war, the Lance thing. And it was three sessions long, two or three even. And that's it. And it's super, super yeah. simple, and everything is like right there. And, and I, that, I, I miss modules. Yeah, that, that's why I said, you know, they need to have that Delian Tomb experience because mm. you have it set up to where, yes, this is a multi session thing, but it's broken out. You mm-hmm. should be able to get this done in about two hours. Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. it a shot. Oh, that's all it's going to take? Yeah. And we've got everything laid out right here for you. Here's what you're going to need to do. And then have like little sidebars. <laughs> Do you want to do funny voices? Well, here's what you do. You do it for pick this this one NPC. That's the only NPC that gets a funny voice, and you only do it for a little bit. Mm. Don't blow yourself out. Um, here's ways to bring the character to life if you can't do voices. Stand up, hunch your shoulders, you know, crook your neck, you know, whatever you whatever it might be. But give them tools. You're not giving them anything by you know throwing these 200 page books down their throat and say, here, run this. And, it, mm. and again, you know, you know, my argument has been, as we all know, that those big ass adventure books are stupid because they don't need to be levels one to 15 all the time. Mm-hmm. Like our favorite Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. That should have been like a three or four, maybe five mm. level adventure at most, whether it's one to five, could be five to 10, could be. Anywhere in between, but you don't need to have a one to ten or one to fifteen all the time. the The anthology books that's if, if they're not going to release modules, then mm. they need to release more anthology books and yeah. stop making them related. Mm. You know, you mm. don't need you know, Candle Keep Mysteries cool concept but 
no, give me give me an anthology book that just has, hey, here here's some woodland adventures, here's some here's some mountain adventures, here's some sea adventures, here's some this adventures. That way, these people, you know, the the DMs out there can pick and choose what they need for the adventures, and and a brand new DM won't be so blockaded by all this stuff. You, mm-hmm. the, the the doors need to be flung open for if if you want more DMs then you need to cater to the new DMs. So let me, let me throw this at you. So a couple of like just rapid fire ones that I had here too. I think we kind of touched on these a little bit. Do you, do either of you agree to maybe a couple of these like combat centric over heavy role play and narrative for your first adventure or your first like couple of sessions? Cause I'm thinking like lost mind of Fandelver is actually a really, really good starter adventure. And the first thing that it does is combat. Right. Not a lot of narrative, not a lot of plot, no role play at all. I, Let's yeah. just fight some stuff. I think straight know? out of the gate, yes. Because yeah, otherwise, otherwise, it, let's say it's a new DM with all new players. Nobody's ever played any of this stuff ever. They're all new. Mm-hmm. you got to hit them with a combat straight out of the gate. Otherwise, it's, Grab their just, attention. it's just one person talking at them for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they've already checked out. They don't know what's going on. They don't care anymore. Yeah. But you start them with a combat. Oof. There we go. Right. Well, it's like the it's the community episode where Donald Glover says, uh, shouldn't I have some dice or something to Jenga? Like the whole idea of like interactive role play at a table for people that have never like have no concept of it at all is pretty alien. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like they maybe they grew up on board games, so there's something for them to look at, touch, something that's kinetic that can that can pull them in. To me, combat's exactly where to start. So let me ask you this: um, simpler adventure design, I think, is is, is going gonna, is gonna to be it. I think we talked about that, like kind of narrowing the focus of the adventure. What do you think about box text descriptions? Do you think that's for, more helpful to a DM that's yes. that's just starting out, or do you think it's more of a hindrance, or what? I think it's very helpful because if you go back to that idea of, I don't know how to role play because mm. in effect, that box text is part of the DM side of role playing. You're, you're playing the role of the setting. You're playing the role of what the, the characters are seeing. And if you're not comfortable and you don't understand how you, how that works and you're just given a, a, a wall of text that doesn't have a flow to it. That's just information. Mm-hmm. Well, am I just supposed to read these bullet points like this and it's dry? Mm-hmm. Cause then you've got that, you know, from, from baptized and pus, I'm just going to sit here or, or bear to it. I'm just going to sit here and read right from the book and sound like Charlie Brown's mm-hmm. teacher. So yeah, give us some box text and heavy box text in those first few adventures for the brand new DMS and then lessen it. But mm have a sidebar that says, okay, you've ran the first three adventures because you've made it and you've made it this far. Now what we're going to do is we're not going to tell you what to say, or we're not going to tell you how to say things. We're just going to give you the information behind it Mm -hmm. and you give it to the players how you want to. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this too, then do you think that, that dungeons, uh, Zach. I know you kind of like we. I think we all kind of did a little bit. Do you think that dungeons, like, it does it should it start in a dungeon, right, to give it like the 
should the dungeons come more like take more of the forefront uh, in the Dungeons and Dragons thing, or do you think it's more like does it really even matter? No, I would say not in five E. Like like I think Fandelver, where you have like the goblins on the road and then goblins in a cave, that's fine. Five mm-hmm. um, E is not actually built for dungeon crawling, mm-hmm. and I think it can teach the wrong lessons to start in a dungeon because mm. we really aren't that this game doesn't have the toolkit to really accommodate that sort of thing anymore. I think what I'm trying to get across get though, when I'm thinking about dungeons is um, it you're there's a, there are parallels to video games that I think people would understand mm. better with dungeons. You, yeah. There are a vast the majority like, more. Go ahead. Well, like the idea of like clearing it out and like, mm-hmm. There's traps or what, you know, like... And the simplicity of a dungeon, lim- too, limited right? In, in regards limited to in narrative. Scope, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that aspect, but I think that if you... I would hesitate to assume that a new DM is also new to the game, right? And Or new to the uh, the community. And the community, you know, there's, there's a reason that 10-foot pole and... <laughs> mm. Things like that exist, you know, uh, caltrops or, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the steel mirrors or mirrors or yeah, like yeah. all these things exist. There's not really though in five E. Yeah, that, those bummer. aren't well, really part, things. Well, part of it too. Let me let me throw this out there. Do you think that the reason why that is because fi- it's a five E problem, or is it yes. an adventure design yes. prob- design problem? No, I'm gonna problem. I agree with you partially on the five E problem. I'm also gonna argue that part of the reason why you don't use things like pitons, rope, and all those other little knickknacks yeah. and piece of equipment items are also a result of adventure design and the way that adventures scale. One to five, for first through fifth level characters. If you focus on that kind of like grit. And that 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 level scope or that power scope, you're going to see mm. more use out of using equipment and things like that, torchlight and whatnot, as opposed Look. to once you hit once you hit fifth and up, they're, they're Look, mo- not, most of it's going to end up me moot. I'm not saying that the game. I think the game, the adventures that they write are doing the things that they want to do. I don't think that they want to have a. Uh, noodly dungeons anymore and more power to them because i think that there's a great game that you know a lot of great games that don't have that sort of noodly detail it's definitely a strategy game it's definitely a game when you get out break out the 10 foot pole it's definitely not a role play experience at that point if you're tapping if you're tapping the if as a as a crew if you were saying i move five feet i tap the ceiling i tap the walls i tap the Mm -hmm. floor is there anything here? No? Okay, I move forward five feet, I tap the ceiling, I tap the walls, I tap the floor. You can still have minutes, moments of role play in there, but you're not but that is that is a whole different style of play than the description of like walking down a dark, you know, corridor, you know, and like crouch low and you know, listening for like the you, 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 those are two completely different aspects of 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 our genre, I guess, and mm-hmm. I I would say that those are two different branches on the D and D path. Well, that's because back in the day, you didn't have all the skills that you do now, mm-hmm. and so you had to tap the floor with your ten foot pole. 
because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to discover a trap. You didn't make a roll. Right. Unless right. your elf was standing right behind you and, and they had that really small percentage chance of, of seeing it. You right. Know. right. But what I'm saying is I disagree that that's not, there's not a role playing aspect because you don't have to do the, I move five feet and do the thing. You could say that could be part of the whole, I'm going to, I'm going to bring out my 10 foot pole and I'm, I'm using that to check as we're walking down the corridor. Okay. Well, that is what allows you to make the check, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there, it's not role playing as in having a discussion with another NPC or something like that, but you're, you're living in the world. It's like, and that's I fine. think, I, and I, I, and I, I could buy that. I could buy I'll that. Tell you what, I'm going to, I'll oh, pick up on. the sword that bear droid is offering in chat and that a mm-hmm. lot of the what we're talking about is exploration as a as an undersung or underutilized pillar. Yeah, a lot of those those equipment items are for either sur- survival or for exploration. <clears throat> yeah. a lot, and again, I'll go back to like as you level up, those tools are no longer needed because either skills, powers, spells, magical items, or things like that make them moot and un- like unnecessary. Right, so I think if we're going to talk about anything that I'll say that fifth edition could definitely be at fault with when it comes to that is that there's such a plethora of other abilities that you're given that are just handed over to you that make a lot of that stuff pointless. Well, you don't need it anymore. Yeah, and that and again that goes back to the fact that there's all these skills now that make exploration moot. You don't have to explore stuff; you just make rolls. But going back to the, your your comment about you know once you hit certain levels, a lot of this equipment becomes moot that is because and i think that's a wrong way to look at it not that you're wrong to look at it that way i think the game looks at it in the mm-hmm. wrong way because i don't think that the game designers either fully understood what they created with bounded accuracy mm-hmm. or they didn't continue far enough with bounded accuracy to make it a core principle of the game outside of just combat. Because mm-hmm. to me, bounded accuracy should be something that is all over the game, and it's not. And mm. that's where you come up with the idea of people getting mad because, well, I'm 15th level. My my athletic score is through the roof. Why Why am I struggling to climb this rope? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. because your level has nothing to do with the fact that that's a sheer cliff and you have a rope. Your your mm-hmm. level has nothing to do with that. Are you trained to climb sheer cliff faces with rope? Mm-hmm. Is that what your class is all about? Then I'll give it to you. And you, you should see- still only roll a, a, a DC 10 on that. But no, it's because you're, the bounded accuracy should make it so that you have easy medium, hard, and impossible roles. Mm-hmm. And those numbers change according to the levels of your character. Did you see the um did you see the thing on the play test recently where they said that the DC should range should be from five to thirty? Mm-hmm. I was like, when has the la- when is the last time that you have seen a DC thirty yeah. offered anywhere? Well, quite honestly, though, that sh- probably should be a thing because of how stupidly 
Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Some like, of these yeah. character abilities get. The, mm. the problem is that, like, we actually have a bounded DC, a balanced challenge spectrum, right? Where, like, the highest level DC is, like, 20, typically, mm. that you would ever see anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, Troy, because skills don't have that binding, because they they grow so quickly, like, a DC 20 isn't really that big of a deal right. by... 10th level if you're of or even lower than that if you're targeted in those abilities right if you're a rogue and you're focused on stealth dc 20 no big deal by the time mm. you get like sixth level um, exactly i mean you you might fail every once in a while but but like you can hit that with consistency and yeah you're right like like i do agree with you that 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 part of the problem I, and we got off the topic a little we bit got, we totally did i was, was going to say that where the real yeah I think yeah. the last thing that I've got on mine, I had I, one other thing that I had was like video walkthroughs for new and vet, veteran DMs on a s- scenario, running them step by step. It's not like just the the adventure. You also get a walkthrough that comes with it, where you have somebody kind of guiding you through the steps, right? But that's like that's something else. I think the the one big stick, the one sticker that I want to I want to throw out there here at the end is players adjust their expectations and better appreciate the people that are running games for them. Mm-hmm. Like if you want more more DMs, if you have really appreciative players or players that don't feel entitled to be runs to have something run for something from that for them or whatever, we've talked about it before. About dungeon master appreciation goes a long, long way yep. to people running games. I'm thinking things like you know buy your DM a pizza or a beer or make sure you get them a Christmas gift or something like that, just to show them like, hey, I really appreciate that you ran this thing for me. Or even just like a like bring them a cookie for Pete's sake, just something. Or, or better yet, have buy-in to the, what, what they're running. Yes. Because yes. don't, don't if, if a player comes to your table with the attitude of, all right, monkey, entertain me, mm-hmm. he's not sitting yeah. at my table for very long. Well, I mean, but that's just it, though. I think they're – I wouldn't say that it's a massive subset no. of the gaming community, but there's there are definitely players out there. Typically, the ones that I I would assume are like that are the ones that will guffaw at uh, paying for uh, for playing games. Mm-hmm. They're like they're they were they're it's they're incredulous. They're clutch their pearls whenever you say something about about uh, being, getting paid to to run games. Well, they would be there would be the ones that would be like what they're just running a game. Yeah. Like I could just get my DM to run one for me. Well, I mean that's just not that's not everybody. And you should probably make sure you appreciate the fact that your DM's doing that for you for free or whatever you know whatever the exchange is. But I, I'm with you too on that, Troy. Like I love the idea of uh, players pooling their resources, putting five bucks in together or whatever, five ten bucks or whatever, and buying whatever adventure is that they want the DM to run mm-hmm. them through, or go on DM Skill and say, "Hey, I saw this. That looks look that looks cool. Do you mind running this for me?" Or because then it just incentivizes the DM because like there is a we've already talked about it. Watsi's already indicated that the majority of us that are running games are the ones that are paying for all the games in the first place. And if that's the case, that's definitely a barrier. It's like mm-hmm. if there's a financial inhibitor to DMs wanting to run run games too. And so if if you have the players have more of a literal buy into it and they contribute to that in some way, then that helps alleviate some of the 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 bottlenecking that happens there. You know, Bear Droids talking that mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's GMs out there who will demand or require players to pay for food or books or both. Mm. 
in order for them to run games. You know, I've never demanded, but mm. I could see an argument for saying, hey, there is something about putting money down that makes people buy in more. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it should happen for every group, um, but, and I, I feel like demand is a harsh word, but I could see an argument, a GM making an argument and saying, hey, I would like to run Curse of Strahd. Um, how do we feel about everybody throwing in some? Yeah. Yeah. I GM don't think included. that, and that, I know that's yeah. not what Bear Droid was referencing, right. but, but to me, I think that's actually a very valuable thing. Um, I can, I'll say for myself that whenever I've had my buddies come over and run a game from like my wife and I or the kids or anything mm-hmm. like that, I never expect them to pay for their food. I'll like, don't bring food or drinks. Let me take care of you're coming over. You're doing me a, it's, I, I, it's a, it's a favor to me. It's like, cause mm-hmm. maybe it's the way that I, my personal philosophy on DMing is like DMs are not wholly so, but they're, they're a servant to the players in a lot in a lot of respects so they're supposed to be getting something out of it the reciprocal relationship for sure but you to me as the dm i'm facilitating a good time for other people coordinating it i'm you know i'm taking a lot of the time out of my schedule ahead of time to read up on the adventure or to know my my, know my crap and things like that so i and if nothing else and uh, paying homage to the DM. I think it should be a cultural thing that we as a part of the gaming community should promote, if not, not demand necessarily, but if you want to be, it's called like Wheaton's law, you know, that maybe this is another law of, of DMing is like, take really good care of your DM. I'm not even saying that for me necessarily. I'm saying that for any DM that's right. out there. I would say, I would say the other flips, uh, the other component of that is like, that may not be your GM's bag of, Bricks, I don't know, whatever, bag of lettuce, bag of cupcakes. Um, yeah. Um, like, I'll use myself in ex- as an example. Like, if you were to go buy me things, I'm not going to tell you no. Mm-hmm. But I also have shelves and shelves and shelves of things already that I would enjoy running. And so mm-hmm. if you're just happy to show up to the table and are enthusiastic about what we're playing... Mm. Honestly, that is a hundred percent good enough, yeah, right? That's like, a really good point. Um, I, I, again, I'm not saying like other GMs are going to really appreciate that. I also do appreciate it. I've had players do it before. I do appreciate that, but like honestly, for me, it's not something that like I never have a, a you know, like that little thing in the back of your head that's like, oh well, it'd be nice if they would appreciate me by, by by spending like i don't care like you're showing mm. up you're playing the games that i spent money on i could not be happier that you're facilitating mm. my addiction right like thank you like <laughs> that's that's all we need well no you don't think you're that's spot on and it's not just a matter of like material appreciation it's i'm putting the time he's this person is putting in the time and he or she are putting the time into it then i should give them my attention yeah. That's that to me is that's an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm only going to be on my phone if it's like game related stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna take notes. You know, just if nothing else, just show them how much I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to be a Wang player. I'm going to create a character <laughs> that fits what we're doing. I'm not. You know, I'm going to try to help others find their moment in the spotlight as well. That's right. And, you know, things like that. And I think that could. 
that could be something that uh, people have a hard time with to want to be a DM as well, because if, if they're not in a group like that, and I've been very lucky, a lot, you know, most of the groups that I've had um, have been very appreciative of, of what I do. Um, you know, there's been times like we all go out to dinner and my check doesn't come to me because somebody picked it up, you know, things like that been great. But I kind of wonder in some of those edge cases where people are like, you know, there, there's a person with, that would probably really, really, really love to DM and be very good at it, but their group is just horrible to the dungeon master. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. not, they don't facilitate things. They don't appreciate or show appreciation. So it's kind of like, why do I want to put myself into that situation to do extra work to just be looked at as, you know, well, you didn't do anything. You're, you're just, you're just, you're just reading straight out of the book. Mm-hmm. You may not end up finding a lot of willing DMs in a toxic gaming group. Period. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think a lot of those, you know, a lot of those groups, if those that stay together, do so because the players probably don't know of anybody else that they could be playing with. And so well, it's going like, to well, tolerate their shenanigans. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're in an area where, you know, there's not a lot of gamers, man, I want to play D&D, and the only D&D in town is with Joe the Wang, DM, and I don't like it, but I want to play, so I'll mm. do what I have to do to play. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've, I've heard people tell you know tell stories like that too. It's like, well, it was the only game in town. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, not mm-hmm. really, because you could have DM too. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I, li- I like I like that last one that uh, baptizing Puss said. You know, they also bring stuff for the DM's kids to do when mm. they're playing it at their house. That way, the kids are entertained too, and it's not like a you're. You know, it it's a it's it's a nice gesture one, and it's also a selfish gesture because, like, yes, that way they don't have to pay. You know, <laughs> split their attention, which is awesome. That's a that's a solid plan. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, um, fellas, is there anything else that we need to be covering this evening on this topic? Not on this topic. The only the only thing that I want to say is. Is there a shortage of DMs? Yes. There always has been, and there probably always will be, especially for Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah, it's great that Wizards of the Coast has recognized that. I think they are looking at it through the wrong lens. Um, They're not looking at it in a way, you know, they're trying to figure out how do we make the players spend money? and not just the DMs mm-hmm. instead of saying, man, how do we make more DMs? How do we make yeah. more players want to be DMs? There's a lots of easy ways to do it. And one D and D ain't it. I think we're obviously seeing that if they make more DMs, you'll get, have more people playing, which will, yes. it's, 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 it's the tail. eats the snake or the snake eats the tail. It'll, it's just self-fulfilling. It's a, it's a perpetual community generating machine. Yep. More DMs yep. means more players. More players mean more DMs. Yeah. Uh, great, great final note from Bear Droid. Um, uh, if, if you're talking Adventures League, um, 
GM rewards are a great way to encourage people to GM. Um, they they like, did. Yeah. They did. They did. A long they time should ago. do that again. It was. They should, they should totally do we DM rewards again. Yeah. Well, do you know why they stopped? Mm-hmm. Because, because they, it, it was almost abusive where you'd have a DM come to the table and just be loaded for bear. Beyond, no, no, from not, what I understand. Anyway. Not search and stuff. Um, when Adventurers League first, well, whatever they, it, it was the encounters program during fourth edition. Hmm. And they had minis and, and dice and all that kind of stuff for the DMs that ran the tables. Oh, I see. I see. Well, and, and they were cool. Um, the store that we that we ran at actually gave us that stuff. Um, they found out that a lot of those stores were taking the DM rewards and the player rewards, because there were some of those too, and selling them on eBay. Huh. And so, yeah, you'd go and run a game. And be like, hey, I thought I was supposed to get these cool dice. Oh, yeah, we sold them. Mm. So, yeah, uh, as far as Wizards is concerned, that's a, that's going to be a no-go. Lovely. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it's pretty crappy. Mm. That's, a, that's a shame. That's a shame. <clears throat> well, fellas, <clears throat> this is the last stream. I say that. Let me back up. This is the last all three of us stream for this year. Well, speaking of podcasts, I don't know if you heard this or not. I think this is a perfect time to kind of end the show with this one. And that is nominate your favorite TTRPG podcast for two, 2022 on, uh, on Inworld right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you want to nominate, so whoever, whoever's your thread, favorite, uh, you know, if it's dungeon mastered or yeah, they've got, they've got talk and then they've got actual play as two different mm-hmm. categories. Yeah. In it. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, whoever, you know, as a group, let's all decide who we're going to vote for, um, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ain't gonna be ain't gonna be this bag of biscuits. Um, what is it with you and Saxes? Bags I don't and Saxes this episode. I, I'm just trying at this You're point. Just trying. I'm just trying. Dungeon Masters Dojo. Uh, what's the other like? Like we just rattle off the list um, of quality uh, podcasts. Hook and um, Chance. Um, Hook and Chance. Yeah. Mastering Dungeons. Ma- mastering Dungeons. Mastering Dungeons. Yeah. Or otherwise uh, known as Showering with Sean Ateos. Oh my goodness! There it is again. Um, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever that. Whatever. Whatever your. Whatever your favorite is. Uh, let's. And, and if someone would happen to give us a pity vote. We would be much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're we're in the pity category. So if you know when you go to the website, <laughs> scroll down to the pity category and then put our name in there. That's what we're really shooting for. <laughs> Bear <time>. Droid. <laughs> there should be a podcast episode about podcasts that are better than us. Yeah, we could make a show out of that. Uh, yeah. We yeah. The only reason that we don't is that that would that would shoot our uh our our viewer membership in the foot. Um. <laughs> permanently like that's that's the kill shot right there (laughs) we start we start seeing people say hey uh thanks for recommending this other podcast see you later that's right that's right yeah 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 well hey uh john troy thanks for uh another another year podcasting um it's been a lot of fun I, I gosh dang it! I we're, we've I, we've delayed long enough. Let's get out of here. Let's shut this sucker down, and and we'll see y'all in the new year. 
play great games, everybody. And thank you. It was, it's been a great 2022. And if I don't see you before, we'll see you next year. Absolutely. Be kind to one another out there. Tis the season. Stay safe. Much love. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, Give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.